You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord This guy we meet in Acts chapter 8. We don't even know his name. We don't even know his name. But who cares, right? He's not like us. He looks different. He talks different. He's from just about as far away as you can get. And he rides in a chariot. I mean, who does he think he is? Most of us have to walk. He's definitely not one of us. He's an outsider, rejected, unworthy, maybe a little suspicious. We don't even know his name. But God knows his name. God knows his name, knows where he comes from, who he works for, what he was doing in Jerusalem, where he is at the moment when he's traveling from Jerusalem to Gaza. God knows his name. And God knows his heart. And God loves him. A lot of people might reject this man, but God said a long time ago that he wanted people like this man. And now God sends someone to go to him and teach him about Jesus. He sends Philip. And at the end of the story, the last time we see this unnamed man, he's rejoicing. The story starts with Philip. The same Philip who was one of the seven back in chapter 6 and who taught the Samaritans about Jesus in our lesson from Acts 8 last week. So we begin today in Acts 8 verse 26 as we continue our study through the book of Acts. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, or your Bible might say Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Philip is sent by an angel to go to a certain road out in the desert. Whatever God wants him to do there must be important. God doesn't usually 
send angels in visible ways. He doesn't do it very often, but he does send an angel in this case. And Philip obeys the Lord's command through the angel, and he goes. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know how far, but he goes. And then when he comes across this Ethiopian eunuch, treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia, the Holy Spirit tells him, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now Philip's getting some sense of what God has in mind for him to do, why he sent him to this place, to encounter this man. Whatever God wants to have happen between Philip and this man must be important. God doesn't usually speak to people so directly through the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit does speak to Philip directly here. So Philip runs up to the chariot, and he hears the man in the chariot reading from Isaiah the prophet. The man, it turns out, is heading home from Jerusalem where he had gone to worship. That could mean that he's a proselyte, a convert to Judaism, but we don't know for sure. Acts just doesn't tell us. It doesn't sound like he's a native-born Jew being from Ethiopia, but it's possible. Uh, But it's obvious that God is very important to him if he's gone to the great expense of traveling all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem and buying a handwritten copy of the very long scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Only synagogues and wealthy people could afford a copy of the scrolls of Scripture. They were tremendously expensive to copy meticulously, line by line, letter by letter, going back and checking to make sure every letter was right. They did make mistakes. We can document that. We have some copies of mistakes that were made. But they were very, very rare. They did all this by hand, so carefully, very expensive. Makes you grateful that we live in a time when it's so easy to get copies of the Scriptures for ourselves. We are very thankful for that. God matters to this man. He's traveled all the way from Ethiopia, which to people in the Roman Empire was kind of the far end of the earth. He's come all the way to Jerusalem to worship God. He owns his own scroll of the prophet Isaiah but we don't even know this man's name. Philip hears this man reading from Isaiah, a passage of Scripture that you may have heard a time or two if you've been in this church very long. It's an enigmatic little prophecy about someone Isaiah, speaking for God, only calls my servant. No name is given. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The man was reading from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. Philip asks if the man understands what he's reading. The man welcomes him to join him in the chariot and explain it to him because he says, how can I understand unless someone explains it for me? And so Philip does get in the chariot with the man. He gets to ride in the chariot. That might be like you and me meeting some very wealthy person on the street, have a little quick conversation. He says, hey, hop on in, explain this to me. This is a high-class vehicle. 
And in the chariot, Philip begins to tell this man about Jesus. Isaiah, living 700 years earlier, didn't know the suffering servant's name, but Philip did because it had been revealed in his time. And we know his name, Jesus, who was led like a sheep to the slaughter when he was crucified. Jesus, who did not defend himself during his trial, who hardly spoke up at all. In fact, I think he only spoke up when he was spoken directly to and and was asked a question. Who, as a lamb before its shearer is silent, did not open his mouth. Jesus, who was humiliated and deprived of justice. Jesus, who left no descendants, for his life was taken from the earth. Philip knew his name. And Philip told this man about Jesus, through whose sacrifice God forgives our sins and brings us to himself in fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Philip, Luke says, began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Why this man? He's not the person you would have probably expected God to send Philip the evangelist to. This man was a eunuch. Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 informs us that eunuchs were not allowed to participate in the assembly of the Lord, which is the name for the gathering of all Israelite men in an official capacity uh, back in the time of Moses. Eunuchs just weren't allowed in that assembly. They were, to some degree, outcasts. Second-rate citizens. This man was also a foreigner from Ethiopia, which at that time was a bit north of modern Ethiopia. It covered the southern part of Egypt and the nation of Sudan at that time. He was probably very dark-skinned being from that area, where Philip, as an Israelite, was probably tan-skinned. And so if you're Philip, this guy looks pretty different from you. Probably dressed differently, too. Being from Ethiopia, he probably was not born a Jew, although he could have been. He may have converted to Judaism. So he was something of an outsider. Whatever language they spoke together, probably Greek. He likely had a strong accent. Probably talked different. So he looked different. He talked different. He was from just about as far away as one could get. And he rode in a chariot. And you know how the rich and powerful are. Why would God send Philip to him? And we don't even know his name. But God knew his name. He could have had my name, for all we know. It's not likely, but, I mean, who knows? He could have. He could have had your name. God knows your name. He could have had the name of your friend who looks different, talks different, comes from far away, and has a physical issue some people might be uncomfortable talking about. God knows that person's name too. God knows their name, where they come from, who they work for, or where they go to school where they are in life at the moment, whether they're near to God or far away. He knows where they're headed. God knows 
I love that this man's reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah, because in Isaiah, there's this wonderful promise from God for people just like him. It's in Isaiah 56, verses 3 to 8, just, uh, just a little ways further in the scroll, just about three chapters after where he was reading when Philip met him. There Isaiah says, Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations." The Sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Isaiah delivers this message from the Lord to people who might have thought God would never accept them. Eunuchs barred from the assembly of Israel and foreigners, outsiders, distant from God. This man Philip met was both. To the eunuchs, God says, if you're faithful to me, I will give you a memorial and a name, a name better than sons and daughters. To the foreigners, God says, if you love my name, I will bring you to the holy mountain and give you joy in my house of prayer in the temple. I will give you joy and I will accept your sacrifices and your offerings. God wants people like eunuchs and foreigners. He wants the outcasts, the outsiders, the second-class citizens, the people everyone else thinks of as those people. God wants people who ride in chariots and limousines. God wants people who can't have children. God wants people who have come from far away. God wants people like these God knows their names. God knows your name. His suffering servant, who is nameless in Isaiah, but whose name is now revealed, Jesus our Lord, suffered for you and me to bring us to God, even if we, if we come from a place far away from God. God sent Philip and God sends us, his church, to people like us and unlike us. And every person who will love him and follow Jesus, he welcomes into his beloved family. The only criterion for inclusion in the family of God is that you respond to God's call and come to him. God knew this man's name. Even if we don't know what it was. It could have been your name. 
God knows your name. He knows your name, where you come from, who you work for, where you go to school, where you're at in your life at this moment, whether you are near to God or far away. And he knows you because he created you and he loves you. He knew this Ethiopian eunuch and loved him enough to pull Philip away from whatever good things Philip was doing and to send Philip through an appearance by an angel and direct guidance by the Holy Spirit to teach this man about Jesus. And the man listened and he learned and he responded to the good news about Jesus. Here's what he did. Finishing up the story, picking up in verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, Here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The eunuch, as they were traveling along, spotted water and immediately asked, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? Because that's what you do when you begin to follow Jesus, because it's what Jesus commanded us to do. In the water of baptism, we are reborn into the family of God. Once we realize how much God loves us, that he sent Jesus to die for us, that he knows our names. And once we begin to love him too, what can stand in the way of our being baptized? What can stand in the way of our becoming part of the family of God? What person is there in the whole world whom God does not want to take as his child? To whom would God say, no, you can't come to me? I was there when my friend Thomas, newly released from prison, was baptized into Christ. An elder in that church had met him in a halfway house and taught him about Jesus. Thomas responded, and I got to be there the day he was baptized, and he was faithful when I saw him again uh, after being apart for several years. At another church, I met a former prostitute, one I mentioned a few weeks ago, whose life was transformed when she began to follow Jesus. I've had the extraordinary privilege of baptizing black people like this Ethiopian and white people like Cornelius, whom we'll see in chapter 10, and people somewhere in between, and a a young man from China, and I've had the privilege of baptizing deaf people and hearing people, people with rough backgrounds, people too young to have much background at all, old people and very old people. And every single one of them, God knew their names long before I did. Better yet, just like Isaiah said to eunuchs, God knew what name he wanted to give them. It's so hard for us to comprehend the magnitude of the love that God has for each one of us. Because it's just so big. If we had even an inkling of how much God loves us and how much it cost him when he paid for our souls with the sacrifice of Jesus, his son, 
all of our fear, all of our hesitation would drop away and we would run to God and he would share with us the same joy he gave to this Ethiopian who, when Philip suddenly disappeared, went on his way rejoicing. When they came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit suddenly took Philip away. He just disappeared, reappeared in another place. If the Ethiopian had had any doubts about whether Philip's message about Jesus was true, those doubts vanished as soon as Philip did. Philip's miraculous disappearance was conclusive evidence that Philip had been sent to the Ethiopian by God. And the Ethiopian eunuch, now a child in God's family and a citizen in God's kingdom, now a believer in Jesus who fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, went on his way rejoicing. I pray that you would know that God knows your name and that you would understand how much God loves you and that you would respond to his love by following Jesus. And God will fill you with his joy. And for those of us who already walk with Jesus daily, I pray that God would continually fill us with that same joy and that he would send us out like Philip to tell someone that God knows their name. Even if they think they're outsiders, different from all the rest of us, they're probably not actually that different. All of us are outsiders before we come to God. God knows their name. Maybe God, in his love for them, will let us share with them the good news about Jesus. May God bless you today. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, this is our prayer today. As we think about the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and the great thing that you did for that man that day, a blessing to him, a blessing to Philip, a blessing to us. Lord, help us to understand that you know our names. None of us is so far away from you that you do not know who we are, where we come from, what we're doing, what's going on in our lives, what kind of help we need from you. Lord, fill us with an understanding of your love that we may not be afraid, but may come to you without hesitation. Lord, bless us as we know you and as we continue to grow in love for you, Lord, use us like you used Philip. Send us, each of us, out to someone to whom we can share, uh, say something about Jesus, something that will touch their hearts and that will draw them closer to you. Lord, we often don't know where to go or what to say, but your spirit lives in us and you know how to speak and work through us. Lord, be active in our lives as you were in Philip's life. Show us where the people are who are searching for you or who are ready to hear the message of Jesus. Thank you for the good news of Jesus. He blesses us constantly. Help us also to be a blessing to the people around us. Give us words to say, Lord, to help them come to Jesus. 
We thank you for your church here, Lord. We pray that it would uh, grow in faith and that as we grow in faith, that that faith would spread to more and more people, that they may come to follow Jesus, not so we can have a big church, God forbid that this would be about us, but so that we can touch many lives and many souls can be saved. So that your name may be glorified, O God, for you have been so good to us. Thank you for Jesus, our Lord, who gave his life for us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives in us and helps us daily. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for knowing our names. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.